Christmas Clatter is proud to partner with one of our favorite companies, Shady Rays, over at ShadyRays.com. Shady Rays has been the only sunglasses I've used for years now. A lot of you guys know I carry mail for a living, so through the rain, snow, the wind, sleet, sun, you name it, I've carried through it. And even through vacations in the Rockies and on the beach, I've always had my Shady Rays with me. I'm very particular about my sunglasses and love my Shady Rays. They fit great, they're durable, and they're reasonably priced. On top of that, they have a great lifetime warranty that you really need to check out, and it is as good as they say it is. But more importantly, if you buy a pair of sunglasses, that also buys 20 meals for the hungry through Feeding America, which I just love it when companies are uh, have a conscience and have a, a charitable aspect to them. And you as a Christmas Clatter listener, go over to ShadyRays.com, use promo code XmasClatter and check out to receive 25% off and pick up a great pair of sunglasses for you or a gift for someone you love. ShadyRays.com, promo code XmasClatter for 25% off. Shady Rays, now the official sunglasses of Christmas. Welcome to Christmas Clatter, the podcast that celebrates everything that makes Christmas special. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Christmas Clatter Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Clatter Podcast. Email us at christmasclatterpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at christmasclatterpodcast.com. Welcome again to Christmas Clatter. I'm Todd Killian. Here we are in our second week of weekly episodes, and it seems like it's, I know it's only second week, but man, it seems like that week went by fast. Uh, maybe because I'm just used to uh, putting out an episode every couple weeks or so, so I just shortened the time on me, but uh, uh, we're here sprinting our way to Christmas. Halloween is up next. Uh, to let you guys know, I had a poll up a few weeks ago about Two Halloween movies I hadn't seen. One was Hocus Pocus. The other was A Night Before Christmas. Let you guys decide on which one I should watch for a bonus episode for Halloween. The overwhelming winner was Hocus Pocus. Look out for that bonus episode. It'll come out Friday the 30th, the day before Halloween. Uh, Well, you'll hear my review of Hocus Pocus along with a very special co-host to join me. Uh, Anthony Crusoe from Tis the Podcast will help me break down everything Hocus Pocus. So that's coming up at the end of the month. I want to extend a thank you for everyone that is participating in the Christmas Clatter Christmas Puzzle Exchange. Registration for that's now closed, but we have a good group of people that wanted to uh, be a part of that. And if you have not received an email from me yet, you will be receiving one shortly. Uh, with the person who you're supposed to send a puzzle to and some clarifications on the directions of that. So for all you guys that signed up, thank you. And if you missed out on the puzzle exchange, had such a good response, I could see this being a 
annual event, so good chance you'll be able to catch it in 2021. Also, be sure to head over to our Facebook and Instagram accounts at Christmas Clatter Podcast. I started a like a mini blog series uh, called uh, Christmas with Purpose. It's uh, just some guidelines, some helpful hints on how to make sure you plan for Christmas ahead of time with this year and everything in flux. It's just a good idea to be a little bit more diligent on how we prepare for Christmas. Not that I want to get rid of complete randomness that happens at Christmas, which a lot of fun comes in that, but sometimes it just helps to be a little bit more prepared. That way uh, you're just not flying by the seat of your pants and the holidays sneak away from you. So head on over to Facebook and Instagram for that. Step one has already posted for this week. Uh, for today's episode, I had a wonderful talk. Uh, it's a Do You Hear What I Hear episode on Motown Christmas, but I'm joined by a very special guest, Scott from Jingle Jank. If you've never heard of Jingle Jank, they're one of the new podcasts I talked about a few weeks ago. Scott is joined with by his best friend, Jay, and they find the wild, wacky, weird, and whiniest Christmas songs on YouTube and break them down for you. And uh, Scott joined me this time, and we're going to go through not the weird, wild, or wacky, but a little bit more off-Broadway offerings that Motown has given us as far as Christmas music. Enjoy our Do You Hear What I Hear Motown edition. All right, uh, joining me here on Christmas Clatter is Scott from Jingle Jank Podcast, and we are going to be doing a special Do You Hear What I Hear Motown edition. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. We'll pull something out of the hat of Tis the Podcast. And uh, What's your history with Motown in general? I don't know a lot of the history of Motown. I hope you can fill a lot of that in for me. Mostly, I, I think I got into it in my early teens because they played it a lot on, on the show Murphy Brown. Do you remember that show? Yes, I remember that show very well. So I got exposed to a lot of that and I, and I really enjoyed it. I don't think my parents were all that into Motown. They didn't have any problem with it, but it, it wasn't something we listened to a lot. And I don't know, in the last couple of years with the availability of music, the way it is, you can just you know, listen to one and find yourself into another and then, and go down the rabbit hole of it. And it's been a lot of fun and, and it's going to be really exciting to talk to you about Motown and Christmas today. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Murphy Brown. My dad spent uh, 40 plus years as a television broadcast engineer, and he worked for the local CBS affiliate, and uh, which Murphy Brown played on. And when Murphy Brown went into syndication as a, uh, when a TV show would go into syndication, that show would send local TV stations like merch or swag you know, to kind of get them to, to um, buy the show for their syndicated spots. And he came home with this cassette tape and it had the Murphy Brown logo on it. But when you open it up, it was just a solid white cassette tape um, with like 
typewriter letters that said Murphy Brown volume one or something like that. And he gave it to me and it was all the Motown, you know, greatest of Motown tracks. It had like my girl on there and um, superstition and her through the grapevine. It's just the, the big Motown numbers. And I fell in love with that stuff. And I fell in love with the bass guitar of that. It just really spoke to me that in a way that really changed my life because from then on I had this desire to start playing bass guitar, you know, just like the guy I heard on the radio or on the cassette tape who ended up being a guy named James Jamerson. And, uh, and that's always, that's always stuck with me. And I've long ago lost that cassette tape and I've always been kind of on the hunt for it, but you know, without many clues to go by, it's kind of eluded me a little bit, but. Oh, that would be so cool to be able to find that. And it's ironic that you say the bass guitar, because you Uh and I started talking about this episode that we're doing right now, a couple weeks ago, (laughs) and I started listening to this. I actually ordered my first bass guitar this morning. I played, oh, really? I've played guitar for many years, but I've, uh-huh. I've been really interested lately in the bass and I want to learn and uh-huh. heck I've got a lot of time on my hands right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it seemed like a really fun thing to do. So very prescient. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the cool thing about Motown is the bass was never really played like that before. Um, with those, those groove grooving beats and not just playing the, like the one five bop stuff and, you know, there were bass players before that that kind of did some stuff, but they were always on the outskirts of like jazz and not really in mainstream music. And, and Motown was able to bring it into homes across America. It was like really the first time the bass was heard like that. And it's never been the same. It's never been the same instrument since. And, uh, and listening through these tracks um, to let people know, we are talking specifically about the ultimate Motown Christmas. It was a 2008 release. I believe. And it's, uh, 51 tracks in total. Some of those tracks are like, uh, happy holidays messages from uh, some of the stars of Motown, you know, wishing their, their best to you and, and all that. But it is a great, uh, compilation of Motown tracks from the early days of Motown through some more modern Motown stuff like, uh, boys to men. And I believe Brian McKnight's on there. Yep. If I remember correctly. So we're not going to go through all 50 No, plus it's an hour and 54 <laughs> minutes long. So almost two hours of goodness. And as you mentioned, there yeah. are a lot of, oh, this is Smokey Robinson. Happy holidays. Right. right. It, it was a little fun to listen to. I don't think I would put that in the playlist itself if I was uh, picking right. out songs from it. But it's going to be right. a lot of fun. Uh, we picked out six songs today of the, yep. what, what, 50? 51 yeah. that are on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the songs on there... Um, you hear every Christmas on the the top 40 Christmas radio. They're just classic standards and of that Motown era that just, that just hit home and that you've heard your whole life. You, you've never known a Christmas without them, even though you don't maybe never know exactly who they are or what they were, but we picked out some that maybe just might be a little bit off the beaten path a little bit. Um, you know, cause some of those songs are, are so well known. It's kind of like, what, what more can we add to them? They're, you know, they're ingrained in everybody's mind. And uh, so we've got six of them. Um, yeah. And on, my show, and on my show, Jingle Jank, we find offbeat and obscure Christmas music on YouTube uh-huh. and we showcase that. And I feel like if I play a song 
that you've heard before, I'm not doing my job right. I'm not right. doing a good job of research. So the songs that we have today are by artists that you'll know well, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and The Four Tops. Mm-hmm. But hopefully the, the individual tracks are ones you're not familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. If, for me, it's kind of hard because I, I, li- I listen to Christmas music so much even throughout the year. I used to always give myself a break, but after last Christmas, I felt, I felt like I didn't get enough Christmas music. So I, I kept listening through it off and on throughout the year. So a lot of these songs to me, they feel like old standards, but then I have to pull back and say, you know, not everybody's eyeball deep in the Christmas culture year round. So, right. You and know, I, like, uh, I like to say that I'll listen to the real classics during uh-huh. what we would call the holiday season. I'll listen to right. my Frank Sinatra, my Bing Crosby. Uh-huh. I'm not that interested in listening to them in April or May. That's uh-huh. when I go seeking out new stuff. Yeah. So even though the artists themselves today aren't going to be new, I, I know there's a few songs that I wasn't familiar with. So at least mm-hmm. some of your listeners should have their eyes open to some yeah. fun new uh, stuff. Yeah. Let's just get off on a good podcast tangent. You sound Sounds like you're a whole lot like me throughout the year. You know, I'll hit some familiar stuff here and there, but I'm like, you. Yeah, I'm trying to dig out something that I hadn't heard before or something new, but then say after Halloween, I'm all into like the modern and pop Christmas stuff, the upbeat stuff, you know, Mariah Carey and, you know, Megan Trainer and Michael Buble and Pentatonics and that, that kind of party Christmas party kind of thing. But then it seems like as it draws closer to Christmas, my music goes to the more classic crooners. Uh, it's like a funnel. So you, yeah. you're, you're, you're specializing. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And then that week, um, that week between Christmas and new year's, it's all classic crooners, nothing else. Just, um, that's when me and, and my family will, will pull out the, we will puzzle all year, but we'll pull out the puzzle on the table and, you know, TV goes off and it's just, you just have Frank Sinatra in the background singing Christmas songs and everybody's working a puzzle and it's just such a stress relief and a way to decompress through that. Definitely. And we usually leave the TV on, but that's because we'll put on the music choice station. Oh yeah. And then we'll listen to that Christmas. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more befuddled I am with the artists that are being, yeah. and these are the, these are the pop artists of the day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who, who is yeah. this? Same thing. You, you know, you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, which I absolutely love. I'm, I'm an uh-huh. eight year old inside in the second half of the parade. They start bringing out the artists singing Christmas music. And you're like, who is this part? I, you know, I, <laughs> you know, once upon a time, you knew all the artists, you knew uh-huh. everybody. And now it's just, Oh my goodness. You know, bring on Mannheim steamroller, please. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough. I still try to keep on top of it as best I can, but it just, just too many things get too much adulting going on around here for, for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I've been listening, I've been using uh bandcamp.com lately yeah. with a lot of independent artists. And I just uh-huh. go looking for people that have never been, you know, either published or uh, mm-hmm. they don't have a label. They're just, people that put out music because they love it. And I find some mm-hmm. amazing Christmas music on there. And yeah. the trick is, this is a, this is an inside secret for you and all the listeners. They don't have a Christmas category to search right. on. So what I do is I take a song title that is obviously Christmas and, and could not be ambiguous with another one, like the little drummer boy. There is no pop song called the little drummer boy. You know, it's Christmas. So you search for that 
and then you'll find artists and then you can back into their whole albums. And usually those are Christmas mm-hmm. albums right. and there is no shortage of music on there. So it's a lot of fun. Not everything is great, of course, but there is so much amazing stuff I have never heard before. And that's, that's kind of one of my new passions is to find yeah. these independent artists. Yeah. And there, like you said, there are a lot, a lot of amazing people and that do that kind of thing. Well, let's kind of get back on track with uh, looking Please at do. this Motown. You mentioned it. You want to start off with the little drummer boy since you mentioned that song or sure. Give me one second to cue it up here. Yeah. I had my notes in a different order than you. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. So the first song we're going to listen to today, we'll introduce it. We'll listen to about about a minute of it. I think that's about the the most we can put in yep. without worrying about the copyright lawyers yeah. uh, uh, swarming after us. So we'll listen to about a minute, and then we'll we'll talk about what we thought about it in the history of okay. it. Sound good? Yep. All right. Sounds so this good. is the, this is the little drummer boy by the Temptations. That was Little Drummer Boy by The Temptations. Todd, yes. since it's your show, why don't you go first and let us know what you thought of that? Well, to start off, Temptations was one of my favorite bands growing up. I talked talked about that uh, Murphy Brown album, and that led me to that next Christmas getting a cassette tape that was all the greatest hits from The Temptations. And this song, I really like it, but it's way different than any other Temptations songs that I ever had. Uh listen to because first of all there's there's five members of the temptations and they all had their different parts but they rarely all sang in unison throughout a whole song and there might be a few parts in the song that um, they might have split off but for the most part it's all five singing all the time and, and the music's really low-key and simple and it just lets their their voices and their harmonies ring out. And it, it's really cool, but really it was unexpected. When I first saw Little Drummer Boy from The Temptations, I was expecting a lot more flair than this. But I still think they hit a home run with it, even though it wasn't what I really expected from them. Yeah, I really like it. I don't have a direct reason that I picked this track. Of mm-hmm. course, as I mentioned, I'm trying to bring stuff that's a little obscure, uh-huh. or at least the stuff that's two blocks off of main street. This uh-huh. one, I just liked it. And I noticed it was the last album on the uh, last song on the B side of the 1970 album, the temptations Christmas card. I have mm-hmm. a soft spot for B sides uh-huh. because they're usually so overlooked. So I just mm-hmm. felt like giving it a little love. And when I listened to it and really listened to it, 
I love that low bass voice of Melvin Franklin. He is yes. absolutely amazing. I, I tried to see if I could get that low in my range, not even close. Yeah. So it's amazing. Another thing. So the temptations, I don't, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. They always remind me of the California raisins. And I don't know if there was ever an official tie in, like they were actually singing on behalf of them. I don't think that was the case. Maybe it just sounds so incredibly similar, but it reminds me of that. And uh-huh. I think you and I were probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old when that, yeah. that came out. So I that just gives me a, a nice, happy memory. Yeah, that as well. I, I, I think the reason you think that is California Raisins used the Marvin Gaye, heard it through the grapevine. Yeah, and I think a lot of the dance moves from the Raisins. Okay. I've, we've seen the Temptations do on a lot of canned footage from like the 60s and stuff. Well, it's definitely in the style of the Temptations yeah. and other yeah. Motown artists. Yeah. Here's a neat fact about the Temptations that I didn't know. They have 43 studio albums. Yeah. I have never seen a, a group with that many albums in their discography. Right. Right. They, they, they have, you know, people talk about the sixties the music of the sixties. And of course it's the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and things like that. But, you know, the temptations were such a juggernaut through the, the sixties. They have probably the most recognizable, one of the most recognizable songs from the first two notes of the song ever. You, someone hears the first two notes of that guitar lick from my girl and they know instantly Absolutely. what it is and who it is you know, and, and, and they have other, other songs as well that are, you know, ain't too proud to beg was originally a temptation song, you know, that, that people still love today and that the Rolling Stones covered because it was so good. And, you know, they had a ball of confusion, which is a, a big, uh, one of their later songs kind of late sixties along, along the lines of, um, you know, what's going on and that, that kind of protest song. And, the temptations were, you know, probably it's hard to say that they were, they're overlooked now in, in the history books as far as music, but you can kind of say that because when you listen to like musical historians, it takes them a while to get to the temptations, but they put out radio hit after radio hit after radio hit. Well, if you want Christmas songs, they have plenty of them. Yes, they do. They have a lot of Christmas songs and this is going to sound like this is going to be sound hyperbolic, but I don't know if I found a Christmas song that they've done that I haven't quite enjoyed. Of course I did preface that by saying they were one of my favorite bands. So yeah. they have a lot of songs and I don't know if I, there's any of them I don't like to tell you the truth. The other yardstick um, that I use is could I play this now? I don't, both my grandmothers have passed and I don't have uh-huh. the opportunity to be with them or spend the holidays mm-hmm. with them, but this is an album that I could put on and there's yeah. absolutely no question that it would be perfectly fine and acceptable and, and even make them happy. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. you can't say that about modern artists. Right. See, that's a similar benchmark to uh, what I have when I hear a new, um, Christmas album, Christmas song. We have a few releases and then we don't need to go through which ones and all that. But if I, if, if they have a new version of a song or an original Christmas song, which is always nice, I always play it. Will this sandwich in the, to my playlist and feel like it belongs? Yeah. You know, and of course this song feels like we've heard it, you know, Feel, you know, you, we, like you say, we pulled something off that's, you know, just a little, a few blocks off Main Street, but it feels like we've known it forever. Sure. 
you know, the, sure. the song so comfortable with it, yeah. even though, even if I've never heard this exact right. version before. And, and I think some of that is, it's because the song we're so familiar with and the voices of the temptations we're so familiar with. So it's kind of like this marriage of super familiar things to our ears, you know, so. Well, it's great. So if you want check yeah. out the temptations, you, you can go to YouTube. If you just want to see yeah. what they've done, people put mm-hmm. up tons of stuff and it's a, it's just wonderful. Very, yes. very relaxing, very soothing. So I've never, that, I've never seen anybody listen to the temptations with a frown on their face. I'll tell you that. I don't that. think so. No. You know, so yeah, definitely go check out, you know, if you, if you, if you're younger and you don't really know the temptations very much, go check them out on YouTube, check out some of their live stuff. It's really great. They were, they were great, not only great vocalists, um, but they were great performers as well, too. They really, really put on a show. Cool. But let's, can I, can I pick the next song? Absolutely. Go ahead, man. All right. So the next song we're going to listen to is Ave Maria by Stevie Wonder. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. That was Ave Maria by Stevie Wonder. What did you think, Todd? Ave Maria is one of those Christmas songs that I listen to a lot, but I know it's a prayer and that kind of thing, but it's not one of my favorite Christmas songs. But I like this rendition. Um, Mainly, it's Stevie. But normally you hear the song and it's somebody with a big, booming voice like Josh Groban or... uh, you know, an old crooner like, you know, Andy Williams or somebody like that that's just got this big boom. Well, Stevie's got a wonderful, one of the best voices ever, but it's not a big booming voice. But he still holds his own and doesn't feel like it gets swallowed up. Um, I don't, I'm not sure when this was recorded. You have, you have was, the stats of this was from the album Someday at Christmas, recorded in 1967. That I was going to guess it was you know, mid sixties, Stevie, cause he sounds young, you know, and I imagine if this was recorded, you know, um, uh, 73, 74, when he was on his big run of making all those wonderful albums, like, uh, uh, in, in that big run that it, it sounded a lot different, but the way that the, the, the studio band kind of held back and let his voice carry and sing, you hear a lot of natural reverb in the room. And then, you know, you have this, 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 the song that's real airy and prayerful and reflective, you know, even though this, this song, 
it always no matter who sings a song, it has this reflectiveness to it. I always find myself kind of I said it's not one of my favorite ones, but I you know, every time it comes on, I have I always feel myself going into this reflective. I know exactly mode. what you mean, Todd. And yeah. And, I, I, it's not a song I would you know, like sometimes I'll sing along with the radio uh, or the right. music. I wouldn't sing along with this song. Right. And everything you said I agree with. And I chose this song for a reason. Uh-huh. As you mentioned, and I'm going to paraphrase you, usually you hear this song sung by someone like Pavarotti or something. And he's right. a, it's a big fat guy in a tuxedo singing. And uh-huh. you know what the song it's and it's a baritone. You know what it's going to yeah. sound like when it comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Or it's Andrea Bocelli or something. And mm-hmm. sure, those are those are the you know premier versions of this song. Absolutely. I want to hear more of an everyman's version. This mm-hmm. is kind of like when you're watching, um, you know, America's Got Talent or something, and you see an unassuming person come out on stage, and then they blow everybody away. Uh, I was blown away listening to Stevie Wonder sing this song, not because mm-hmm. it's the best version I've ever heard of this, far from it, mm-hmm. but as you mentioned, the song has a ton of space, mm-hmm. and it's 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 slow and it's peaceful. If you listen back, you'll notice there are there's no percussion, there's no drums mm-hmm. in this song. And that struck me. The other thing that I really liked was the harmonica. Yes. That was a really interesting uh, feature of the song that I have not, you know, I don't hear, I don't hear Pavarotti uh, playing the harmonica. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one thing I was, I was really hit me too, because there's all this space and all this room. And the last thing you think you're going to hear is a harmonica. Yeah. But it comes in so subtly and soft and fits and, and it's it was no tasteful. Question, yeah. It, no question about that. Stevie playing the harmonica. There's no question about sure. it. And, uh, he's, you know, he's just a virtuoso anyway, but it was, it fits. And it's like, how do you get the harmonica to fit in a song like this so well? And there's, there's only one answer and it's the genius that Stevie wonder. Yeah. It's such yeah. a unique version of Ave Maria. And it's, I I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting and different and a fun listen. And I hope our listeners thought it was was interesting too. It it is. And of the songs that we have upcoming, this is one, even though the the song itself is not one of my favorite, but this is one that I'm putting towards the top of my playlist just because of that reflective quality it has in it. He was also singing in Latin at the beginning, and that, I, yeah, sure, it, it doesn't mean he speaks Latin, but mm-hmm. it was still impressive. Yeah, you don't See, hear a lot of the artists do that. Well, well, of course, Bocelli or something, but right, not a Motown artist. Now I loved right. that. I thought it, it, it blew the lid off some some preconceived notions I had about these artists, and I just thought that was great. Yeah, it it is. You know, they learn that stuff phonetically, but still, if I learn Latin phonetically to be able to put the right um, yeah, the phrasing, cadence. the intonation, all of yeah, that. I couldn't all do that, that to it to 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 express the right emotion. Much no. less sing. I could in butcher Ave and, Maria in Latin. Yeah, but right. but not right. sing it beautifully and lyrically the way he did. Right, right. It's just it's just amazing. Um, there's a story of Stevie Wonder when he was a kid. He would hang out at uh, Hitsville, USA, and there in, in uh, Detroit, and uh, he'd always go in and hang out in the studio with all the great studio uh, musicians in there. And we'll get to those guys uh, later on. 
And he'd be like, man, I like, you know, I like what you're doing on the keyboard. He'll say that to the, you know, whoever's playing the piano. And so they'll show him a few thing or two and he'd, he'd disappear for a week and then he'd come back and he'd have that mastered and even better than that guy showed him, you know, and then he'd be like, I, I like what you're doing on the drums. And then, so they'd, you know, show him a, a drum lick and fill and stuff. And he'd disappear for a week or so. And he'd come back and he's playing the drums better than, than the guy, you know, on the recordings and stuff. Yeah. He just, he's just a, a genius talent, a, a virtuoso musically. And, and there's, you know, this is 67 at the, you know, right at the beginning of his career. And it's no wonder that he's went on to do the things he has done. And I'm sure we'll, hopefully continue to do for many, many more years. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I said that my parents weren't really into Motown, not true for Stevie wonder. My dad mm -hmm. loves Stevie wonder. And mm -hmm. we heard these songs. I didn't hear this particular song growing up, but yeah. I heard a lot of Stevie wonder and, you know, much like your, much like anybody else, there, there's a point in your life in your twenties and thirties where you kind of lose touch with a lot of the, mm -hmm. the things that you grew up with and your nostalgia because life happens and you're busy mm -hmm. with your job and building families and stuff. I don't know if you remember this, Todd, but a couple of years ago, the Apple Christmas commercial that came out was Stevie Wonder and Andrea Day singing mm -hmm. Someday at Christmas. And there was something about that commercial that was extremely powerful and it brought back this flood of memories of growing mm -hmm. up in Stevie Wonder and this flood of nostalgia. And it, I will, it, it kind of just rekindled my, my uh, interest in Stevie Wonder as an artist. It's, it's not like I drive around town listening to his music, but it reminded yeah. me how beautiful it is. So just wanted yeah. to put that one in today. That's why yeah. we chose the artist. We, there are so many other songs right. that everyone would have known from Stevie yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. But this one, I hope you didn't. Yeah, Someday at Christmas is one of those that gets played. Yep. Uh, not as much as some songs, but it gets played enough that people know it fairly well, you know, and, you know, rightfully so it's a great Christmas song. And, uh, but this is, this is definitely one that needs to be added to your playlist as, um, a definite listen to at least two or three times, you know, throughout the Christmas season minimum. So totally let's, move to, let's move on to, uh, one that I've never heard of until we decided to do this album and that's purple snowflakes oh, by, Mar boy. by marvin gay this is going to be something buckle up everybody <laughs> this is fun this is purple snowflakes by marvin gay Summer flowers bloom Here in our nest We're surely blessed Chestnuts Over the heat She ain't like sweet Drifting on air Without a care Alright, that was Purple Snowflakes by Marvin Gaye I love this song, Todd And I, I'm, here's my confession I didn't love this song before you and I started collaborating on what this episode was going to be, I picked this because it was weird. 
mm-hmm. and it was out there. And I thought, well, that's perfect. That's on brand with what I do at Jingle Jank. Uh-huh. But now that I've listened to this song about 10 times, I really like this song. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, first time I heard it, I was like, I never heard this, you know, I know Marvin Gaye very well and, you know, his stuff is always top notch. And I listened through the first time I was like, I don't know if I get it. You know, it's like, I don't know if I get it. I don't know even if it's really a Christmas song or not. And then the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, man, I'm just digging that groove in there. There's just something in there that just kept pulling me to it. I even printed out the lyrics to read through the lyrics, you know, when, when uh, he was singing and not that you needed to, it's not like any of them were, you know, you can't hear them or anything like that, but sometimes it's just, just good to see them. And it's like, I don't even know if it's a happy song or sad song to tell you the truth. Well, you know? <laughs> it's, it's considered psychedelic soul. And I right. was not familiar with that before I started digging in uh-huh. to this song. I knew it had a, like an overtone and a feeling right. that reminded me of the doors and some of that stuff right. from, the same era, but uh-huh. I didn't really know, you know, purple snowflakes. I mean, that sounds like some kind of weird acid trip or something. Right. I mean, that's probably, you know, uh, based in, in some sort of truth there. Yeah. Here's the fascinating thing about this song. So this song was written and recorded as purple snowflakes, but it was not released until 1992 when it came out on a Christmas compilation album the song that this was released as is called Pretty Little Baby. Listen to this really quick clip of that. So it's the same exact song. Uh-huh. And that's that's a, a hit by Marvin Gaye that's been out, well, I don't, I don't even know the year that it came out, but it looks like it might have been in 1961. Mm-hmm. So this, this song sat on the shelf for 31 years uh, in its original Purple Snowflakes form. Right. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It certainly makes this interesting, and that's why mm-hmm. I brought it today. Yeah, De- definitely interesting. I just think they probably just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. That's true. You know, um, early sixties, things were a lot more candy canes and bubble gums and that kind of thing. And this is a little bit more. When did Marvin Gaye die? I just, let me hit the Google machines. It was late seventies, early eighties. Okay. So I'm wondering if this is one of those things that an artist becomes a lot more popular after they pass on and they, somebody found this and said, hey, this has never been released. This is really interesting. Maybe it wouldn't have been well-received in his time, but after we didn't have much choice anymore, we didn't have any new music from Marvin Gaye, the the public was ready to hear something different. Yeah, 1984 was the year he passed away. Okay. And uh, so that's probably been about right if this was released in, let's say, 92. 92, yeah. Yeah, that, so, that would have been... Yeah, there was a Christmas compilation album called Christmas mm-hmm. in the City, and that was the first mm-hmm. time the public at large was able to hear this original Purple mm-hmm. Snowflakes version. So yeah. a lot of fun. Not a lot to say about it, but no. there is something catchy about it. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much of that is Marvin Gaye's vocals, too, because he's just one of, he's one of those vocalists that every time he sings, 
it's almost like you lean in to hear what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, um, I was, you know, I've talked before about like a storyteller vote, uh, you know, a, a, a singer that's a storyteller and, and I don't, Marvin Gaye's not known as a storyteller when he sings, but I think he really is. You know, we look at his, like his biggest hits, you know, his version of I heard it through the grapevine or what's going on there. That's those two songs are always telling a story. And I think Marvin Gaye is one of those vocalists. When you hear him sing, even a song, you know, like purple snowflakes, your ear wants to kind of do, you know, you can't see it, but your ear kind of wants to lean in to hear what he's saying. And, and see where he's taking you on, on through this song. My first listen, I did not like it. But then no. I, I noticed after listening to it a bunch of times, I was starting to hum along mm-hmm. with it. Uh-huh. And I was uh, vacuuming the rug and I was kind of saying yeah. it to myself, oh, wait a minute, something's interesting here. Yeah. And- yeah. It's, it's, a real ni- it's, a real nice, it's a real nice easy melody. It's not anything complicated, which is always better because when things get complicated, then, then our ears get confused and, and want to, want to reject it and it's kind of got this peaceful feeling with that little fluttery thing in the back it kind of has this peacefulness to it as it well does. i mm-hmm. was thinking while uh, while you were talking there i was just thinking about these songs in general these motown songs they are mm-hmm. very peaceful the tempo is great you know the it, it's you know, probably 80 beats per minute or less. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you turn on Christmas music and it's a wall of sound. And I know mm-hmm. Phil Spector popularized that. That's not what right. I mean. I mean, it's right. like a, an oral assault. Like it's just, right. you know, drums and horns and singing and all this stuff. But you turn this on and it's just kind of like you're exhaling. And I like yeah. it. It, it. There's a time and a place for all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. This right. to th- This is not what I would listen to to get out of bed in the morning. But man, you know, after a nice dinner or I was relaxing or something, boy, I could, I would light up the fire, watch the snowfall in the window. I could listen to these. This is wonderful. Well, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that, that the the musicians, the studio band um, for Motown through the sixties in Detroit, one of their biggest things, and I'm sure all bands are like this, but their biggest things is each musician knows their part. And they all want to play the right part of the song, even if the right part is not to play, then they take a lot of pride in that. Even if your part is to hit a triangle one time at a certain moment in the song, then they're taking that like it is the most important part. Each musician, you know, said their part was they took it like their part was the most important part. And when you do that, then the the music really happens. Yeah, there's restraint. There's restraint. There's, there's a lot of, you know, um, it's, it's, and it's like they say, it's not the notes, it's the space between the notes and what you do with it. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. This is just so nice. Do you want to go into winter wonderland by the funk brothers? Since since we're talking about the, the Motown in-house bands. Yes. Yes. And this is, this is one I specifically picked because to my knowledge, I think it might be the only song that the funk brothers have a credit on as yeah. the artists. All right. We'll get into that in a minute. This is winter Lund- wonderland. Blech. This is winter wonderland by the funk brothers and just be prepared. This one's instrumental. So you're, there's nothing wrong with your speakers. If you don't hear anything.
That was Winter Wonderland by the Funk Brothers. Todd, since you chose this one, why don't you go first? Okay, I I'm gonna I might go off on a little bit of tangent here, but just just bear with me. I picked I picked this song because the the Funk Brothers have the credit, and if if you don't know, the Funk Brothers are the name of all the musicians that were the studio band for Motown Records through the Detroit area, which which is 58, 59 through 1970. And they called themselves the Funk Brothers. They, they, you know, were multiple keyboardists and drummers and bass players, horn players, vibes, all that good stuff. And they, at one point through the mid 60s, Hits Fill USA was running 24 7, cranking out these hits. You know, so it was a rotating cast, but they were always the Funk Brothers and there was this brotherhood between them. There was a documentary called uh, Standing in the Shadows of Motown, came out in 2000. Two-ish, I believe. Once you're done listening to this um, podcast, go to Voodoo or someplace and rent it or buy it and watch it. Their story is amazing. Absolutely amazing. These musicians live in complete obscurity. Uh, they, you know, at the time they didn't get paid what musicians that work in the studio get paid now. So a lot of them were, you know, they live you know, some of them in, in pretty nasty poverty situations. But as a as a band, they played on more number one hits than the Beach Boys, Elvis, and the Beatles combined. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And and so mo- these are the mo- unsung heroes of Motown. Right. Absolutely. And and most of them, if not all of them, have passed on, uh, unfortunately. But these guys were what shaped Motown. These guys were what made the temptations, the temptations as far as musically, because, you know, we've talked about the music given space for the vocals and talked about the groovy bass lines and, and things. And these guys were so excellent at what they did. And, but nobody really knows who they are. In fact, we talked about my girl and uh, Robert White was the name of the guitarist that wrote the opening guitar lick for my girl. And he passed away before the documentary was released although they did have some some interview footage with him and the guy that that made the documentary told the story he was sitting in a restaurant with robert white and my girl came comes on the radio over the musacs and right when the waiter was there and robert white went to say something to the waiter but backed off and uh, the producer for the documentary said robert you was going to tell him you wrote that didn't you and Robert says, yeah, but he wouldn't have believed me anyway. Oh, wow. And it's just such heartbreaking. So this is kind of my tribute to some unsung heroes of, of some guys that were really behind the scenes that, that got, you know, left out in the cold. Um, yeah, there was 19, no internet then. You're not going to look right. up and find who a lot of these people were. I right. looked on Wikipedia. There were 13 official members listed. But then uh-huh. there are dozens and dozens of additional uh-huh. members. Right. And in 1970, Barry Gordy up and moved Motown to Los Angeles and left all those guys behind. And so was that the end that, of Motown as we knew it? That, that For the 60s, yes. Motown records continued on, you know, um, Jackson 5 and Diana Ross solo stuff and uh, all the way to, you know, like Boys to Men, I think was officially a Motown 
you know, signing, but probably in name only, but yeah. that was really the end of Mo- when you think of Motown, you think of the Detroit area era. And once they moved to LA, it, it just never was the same. There was a, a, a few musicians that tried to go out to LA to stay playing with Motown, especially James Jamerson, the bass player, but it just wasn't the same vibe, same groove. The music scene was changing and that was that. And I winter wonderlands. I like the song. It's fine. But when I saw this and got to hear those guys play instrumental with no, no one singing over the top of it, it was just, of course, I know I know who's playing because of you know being so into it and I could it just gives me a rare chance to sit back and listen to those guys play a song without it being you know under a vocal or anything like that up front and center and minus the you, knowledge that you just brought to us though Todd uh-huh. I don't think that this song has a particularly strong Motown feel to it no. It just sounds like a wonderful instrumental version right. of Winter Wonderland. Right. And um, I think a lot of that is, is they were all like jazz musicians. Yeah. And so um, without, um, and a lot of the Motown groove was based on lyrics and melody. So this was just kind of, I think, it, I think I can't say for sure because I wasn't there, but this almost is kind of like, why don't you guys do something? And they probably ran through this two or three times and said, okay, we got, we got a, an extra song. You I'm know? glad you said that this was the only song that the funk brothers were credited on. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I did hear you're right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That explains why during the research, I couldn't find any album or right. anything specifically credited to the front, the funk brothers. Of course they were the, mm-hmm. the in-house band for, for Motown. Mm-hmm. So here's another interesting fact on this one. And I only noticed this right now. And I'm looking at my own notes. You think I would have put this together. Uh-huh. This song was released on the 1992 album, Christmas in the city. The same one that we just talked about <laughs> with purple snowflakes. So I have a guess that somewhere around 1992, someone dug in the back of a closet, found a whole bunch of, great stuff and said uh-huh. let's put out this album called christmas in a city so we got purple snowflakes we got winter wonderland by the funk brothers now i'm very curious what else is on that album and i'm really going to have to check it out absolutely you know it's funny you said that because i was just like I, this sounds like a, a song that was made and just kind of held on you know for something extra kind of and then it's in the same release date as the Marvin Gaye song, which was a song they made and just held on to. Yeah. They wouldn't have published it at the time. It's like, mm-hmm. um, uh, who wrote uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when that, when that guy passed on now they're publishing like a half finished work of his because everyone would just love to have anything else, uh, Douglas Adams, anything mm-hmm. else by them. So now you, you get this extra stuff by Marvin Gaye or the funk mm-hmm. brothers. And I'm yeah. glad I'm sad that it took so long and the people didn't get their due but I'm glad at least we're talking about it now. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and like you said, this, there's nothing super particularly interesting about this particular version. It's just who the song is by. And as soon as I was first time I scrolled through the song list of uh, ultimate Motown Christmas and saw the funk brothers were credited for the song. It's like, 
we're doing that one. Yeah. I don't care what I don't care what it sounds like. We're doing that one because I wish they had a whole album. I would listen yeah. to this thing front to back. Well, you know, yeah. metaphorically, there. I would yeah. listen to it up and down all day long. I love and you mentioned jazz, and I, that's probably why I like this mm-hmm. so much. I really like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Herbie Hancock. Mm-hmm. You know that era, and this is just so beautiful. Yeah. I love this. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they were just so into the the artists. But you think about this, the the 60s were such a hot time for jazz, you know, on top of all the other music that was going on. It seems like they could have had the Funk Brothers put out this really groovy pop jazz stuff that kind of bridged the gap between the pop of the 60s and jazz that I think a lot of people would have gravitated towards. It would have been great. Because if you, if you could have got some of that great, you know, Motown sound and some like legit jazz tunes i think that i think they might have missed the opportunity on that you know we can't if we but well, I just we're looking backwards were, with the luxury of our experience and the right. totality of what happened right. so who knows what we would have thought back then right. i'm just thrilled that we have it now so that's yes. the funk brothers you yeah. can seek out that song but really as todd said just go listen to any motown and you're right. going to be hearing them so yeah you you but, will you definitely will be and uh and check out Standing in the Shadows of Motown. It's a documentary. It's easy to find on streaming services. Yeah, put and that in the show notes if you can. I'd like to yes. remember that. Yep. I absolutely I like will. I'll forget. Yep, I'll put, definitely put it in the show notes. And uh, in fact, I watched that documentary again uh, this past week. It's been a few years since I've seen it and studying up for this. I was like, I need to watch that again. And there's live music on there, and these guys are all in there late sixties, early seventies. And they're playing live with, uh, you know, people like Ben Harper and stuff like that. Oh, neat, man. Their musicianship still so good. It's just like so incredible. Yeah. We owe a lot of modern music to, yeah. to the road that they paved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pick the next song. Absolutely. I'm going to pick Merry Christmas baby by the four tops. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Merry Christmas baby. I say Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, baby Show sure it treat me nice Gave me a diamond ring for Christmas Now I'm living in paradise Yes, I am And I'm feeling mighty fine Got good music on my radio I say I'm feeling mighty fine Got good music on my radio I wanna hug and kiss you, baby Standing near the mistletoe All right, now that was Merry Christmas Baby by The Four Tops, and I have a feeling that your listeners are very confused right now because they are thinking, I thought this was supposed to be a Motown episode. Right. That was the blues. 
Yes. But it's the four tops who are undeniably Motown artists. Right. What did you think I, of it? I don't know when this particular song was released. My guess is it's not going to be a Detroit era. Absolutely Motown not. And song very, because that's very good. It yes. was from the 1995 album Christmas mm-hmm. Here With You. So this is our latest yeah. entry. Yep. Because I only heard one of the four tops okay. in that. And the other thing is the the bass player is um, has a overdrive or a fuzz on his bass. So I knew I knew it was at least late seventies. Uh, you know, maybe even more modern than that. And it's just twelve bar blues, which yeah. you you would expect for this song to be. And in the Motown I know and love, I'm sure they could play mean twelve bar blues. But that's not what they did. They probably grew up playing Mean 12 Bar Blues. Now, I picked this song for a reason. And you just brought some more information to the table that makes it make a lot more sense. The note that I wrote here is, compared to a famous song by the Four Tops like Baby I Need Your Lovin', this feels Uh very gritty. Uh And it doesn't feel like the Four Tops. That was one of the reasons I chose it, because it doesn't sound like what I expected at all. Right. Right. It is... I bet it's almost just kind of like a return to form kind of thing. Cause I'm sure, you know, the, the members of the four tops before they were the four tops and, you know, they were, uh, uh, singing all, all the big hits. This is probably what they were singing, you know, for fun, you know, at home and similar to what they were probably singing at church, um, and that kind of thing. And this was probably just kind of a return to form something they can kind of do with their eyes closed, you know, that kind of thing. The thought of that makes my heart smile. I'm going to go with your idea here of they wanted to do something that they just enjoyed Mm -hmm. versus what I had in mind was like, oh, maybe they ran out of money and forgot to pay their tax bills. So now they were out touring and because they had to, not because they wanted to, but I like your idea better. the, The money grab is putting four tops as the artist instead of, you know, Instead of just the single vocalist on there. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where the money grab is, but I enjoyed this. I love Merry Christmas, baby. I, I enjoy it in all its versions and renditions. It's, it's one of my favorites. And I'm glad you said that because one of the reasons I brought this was when I see the title, Merry Christmas, baby, I have an extremely narrow idea of what I'm expecting to hear. And that's the Otis Redding version. I have a clip. Okay. And that's really nice. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think of when you tell me the title, Merry Christmas, Baby. This version by the four tops or the one top, I guess, I'm Mm -hmm. not not sure, was very, very different. And Mm -hmm. I like things that are different. There's also, we didn't get to play the beginning of the song because there's a very long intro. We could only play so much. There's this wonderful harmonica riff at the beginning. I have a quick Mm -hmm. clip. (laughs) 
I just thought that was great. I yeah. loved that. And that's the first thing you hear in this Four Tops version. It immediately drew me in and got me interested. My ears perked up when I heard that because I, I maybe it's uh, just another one of these examples of you don't hear a lot of harmonica in Christmas music. Right. So, you know, it, it, it was, uh, you know, the ambiguity of it shocked me out of uh, complacency. Yeah. But I just thought this was a lot of fun. It, and it I'm, is... I'm disappointed to find out it's not really the Four Tops, but I still like the song. Yeah, I, I like the song. It's when, yeah. When I see this, when I see the song title "Merry Christmas, Baby," it's exactly what I expect to hear. But it was not the four tops I expected to hear. Yeah. This is a little disappointing. But then once you listen to it a few times, you're like, "This is really good in its own right." You know, it stands up with all the other versions, the Otis Redding version. Every time I think of this song, I always think of Elvis. That's kind of my go-to version of this song, which is basically the same as this song it's 12 bar blues and it's just elvis instead yeah i I went looking i swore after listening to this that stevie ray vaughn had done a version of merry christmas baby he had not Mm, Uh, that'd been great yeah it would have been absolutely (laughs) wonderful there is some other version floating around the back of my head that i i haven't been able to nail down who i'm thinking of it's probably going to happen, you know, at, at 2 a.m. I'm going to sit bolt upright in the bed and yep. think, I, I figured it out. I got to call yeah. Todd. I, I promise yep. not to. Oh, you can. Oh, well, um, let, let's not. <laughs> I, I don't mind. So, but, uh, so that was Merry Christmas Baby by the Four Tops, the most recent version on here. And I picked that one because it was so very different, not because it was so great. It's It's perfectly fine. As mm-hmm. I said, I, I find it to be very gritty. The vocals mm-hmm. are gritty. You mentioned the overdrive on the bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that it, it has a, a like a dirtier quality to it, and that's right. kind of fun. There's a little, it's a little crunchy, and that was neat. But it's it's not what I would go seeking out without these constraints that we're putting on. You know why we brought this music today. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's one of those. If you're just listening to some streaming radio station for Christmas, it comes on. You're like. This is nice. You would never guess it was the four tops. Yeah. You know, um, but you're like, this is pretty good. You know, you won't like jump out of your seat or nothing, but you'll listen all the way through, be happy with it, and then move on to the next song. I've told this story in our community a lot that that I like to listen to Sirius XM Christmas station throughout the year. They still offer their holiday traditions. They they do it on their streaming. You can't do it in the uh-huh. car if you have a, a satellite mm-hmm. radio or anything, but they do offer holiday traditions and they have an incredible mix of music. And, you know, my wife even commented like, huh, I've never heard this song before. I've never heard this. And Mm -hmm. for, for a family like mine to have never heard a Christmas song that's being played is very rare. Uh So this is the kind of thing I would expect to hear. And, uh, you know, I've used, uh, well, it used to be Shazam and now it's just Siri. I've used it all the time and just, you know, hold the button and say, what song Mm -hmm. is this? And find out, you know, that it's, well, the four tops. Well, how about that? That's another way that I find a lot of my, my songs. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that. We only have one more song today. Right. This one, uh, spoiler, it's my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah, it really is. It puts the biggest smile on my face. So this yeah. is Hi. Jingle Bells by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. You ready? Yes, sir. Dashing
right, Todd, I see you smile in the same way I am. What did you think? Of all the songs we covered, this is the most Motown of all the songs. When you think of Motown, the Detroit area, this is it. You hear you hear that James Jamerson playing the bass. That is no doubt, no doubt in my mind, that's James Jamerson on the bass. You hear the three guitar parts. Uh, there's one guitar player. I can't think of his name right now. I have to forgive me, but he always plays on the backbeat. It's always that wink, wink on the backbeat. You hear that. You hear, you know, uh, I think that's Pistol Pete on the pit, that particular drum set. I can't say for sure, but it's just all the sounds in the band that you hear on a Motown. And then it's Smokey Robinson singing above them. And it's Motown through and through, and you just can't help but to smile. And it's yes. Jingle Bells, which is a double smile. And it's just a nice groovy upbeat christmas song that can can only only make you happy i totally agree the smile yeah. was totally there and i'll 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 play a quick clip of of what made what really drew me in it's the yeah. wee listen to this yeah Dashing I just love that. I, yeah. it, it made me smile immediately. It made the song feel light. This is from the 1970 album, A Season for Miracles. So this is old mm -hmm. school, mm -hmm. a little bit toward the end, but you're right. Yep. Smokey Robinson. I mean, it, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a more iconic Motown singer. And right. I don't know the history of Smokey Robinson, the miracles, the miracles without Smokey Robinson. Mm -hmm. There seemed to be a whole lot there and I didn't get into it. Right, but I'm sure glad they came together for this song. Right, absolutely. I think I think their kind of thing was it's kind of like the uh, uh, male version of the Supremes, and then Diana Ross and the Supremes, and then Diana Ross. It's just okay. What <laughs> one one of those is not like the others, and stood out, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. And but yeah, this is this. I'm surprised this was cut in 1970. This seems much much earlier like a much, much earlier recording to me from, from what I've listened to in Motown. So, um, well, now I just did an episode recently on disco yeah. on my show and it was extremely uh, hard to nail down the, uh -huh. the actual recording date, the recording artist, because yeah. a lot of things ended up on either compilation albums and, right. and things like that. So I don't know anything about the 1970 album, a season for miracles for all I know, right. this could have been recorded in 1962. I have no idea. Right. So right. take that with a grain of salt and you, right. you have a lot of knowledge about this. So I would trust your opinion yeah. over a couple minutes of, of Wikipedia searches on my behalf. <laughs> right. Yeah, when I, when I first heard it, I was thinking 63, 64, just based on the musicians I knew I heard in there, you know, because that is undoubtedly James Jamerson on the bass, undoubtedly. Okay. And and towards late session Detroit, Bob Babbitt was a little bit more on the bass uh, because of the, the workload involved. And James Jamerson really was just sticking with Marvin Gaye, uh, playing for Marvin Gaye more than, than anybody else. And But that's undoubtedly james jamerson on the bass there and uh so yeah it's it's, it's possible i can't say 100 percent for sure but it's it's possible it was recorded earlier and just i guess we've discovered they have a tendency to record stuff and put it up for a while so yeah now know. i have an observation here yeah. about the song jingle bells uh -huh. and you can 
disagree with this. I don't hear it covered as often as a lot of other songs. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's because people think, ah, Jingle Bells, we you know, leave that one alone. Everybody knows Jingle Bells. We need to do something mm-hmm. more interesting. Right. I was really glad to find a cover of Jingle Bells, especially one yeah. where they brought this much character uh-huh. and lightheartedness. There's, I mean, they're laughing in the background. And right. It sounds genuine. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, now that you say that, I'm trying to think back on, you know, more modern Christmas albums in the last new Christmas album that I know that has a Jingle Bells cover on it is Gwen Stefani's. Oh, okay. But, uh, she's and it's a really good version of jingle bells but other yeah, than that not a lot of them come to mind they no, may be out there for I, all i know or they're I, on albums that don't get played i think what it is is i think people are afraid that everything's been done with it yeah you know the the, the core changes aren't you know that crazy well i'm glad you said that Every, because the chorus was sung differently Mm-hmm. in this and i don't i don't have the notes and i don't have the actual clip yeah. of it you can go back and listen they do something a little bit different vocally and they bring something mm-hmm. original to it and that right. also stuck out yeah they they definitely smoky robinson definitely changed the melody just a little bit i think in one part where you're supposed to go up or down he went opposite yeah it's that's, that's like what he, i noticed as well yeah it's like he went opposite of of what what was normally there. And I think laughing all the way and he went up with it and you normally hear people go down and I couldn't, I wouldn't even try to do a Smokey Robinson like Uh, falsetto here. So (laughs) I just spared everybody. You're all welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And, uh, but I I think a lot of people don't cover it because they're, you know, everybody's put jingle bells on it. Um, it's hard uh, to do jingle bells in an original way too. Right. That, that I think, isn't I just think a rehash of everything else. I think that's why it scares people away is it's it's been done every which way and sideways as a cover. So, you know, I'll look I'll look yeah, for but I love this is one of the reasons I love Christmas music is uh-huh. you know you have a certain extent of you know what to expect. I know uh-huh. where the lyrics are going to go. I know what the melody generally is. And I want to hear an artist's individual imprint and take on mm-hmm. uh, on a, a standard that I know very well. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of how it totally exceeded my expectations of what of how Jingle Bells could be sung and what it sounded like. So hats yeah. off to you, Smokey Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. I have a feeling maybe not this year or next, but... For anybody that's keeping track, write this down. I have a feeling that there will be a resurgence of Jingle Bells in the year 2022. Yep. yep. Uh, you, you heard Christmas, it here first, folks. Christmas predictions sure to go wrong. Um, but I, I have a feeling it, it'll come back around because it seems like in the late 90s, there was lots of Jingle Bells um, covers and maybe it was just lots of people doing jingle bells still well i didn't know i had room for jingle bells in my repertoire anymore i thought like you know there's like mm -hmm. perry como maybe or frank sinatra Mm -hmm. i can't remember who it was and then maybe vince garaldi well now i got another one that i really like right well then i always you know a lot of people like the uh brian sitzer orchestra version Mm -hmm. of jingle bells and when i think of that i don't think of the one off his christmas album um you know where he's singing and stuff i think of the one that he recorded for the um Mary Axmas that came out in the late nineties where it's all instrumental and guitar solo stuff. Oh, I have and that it, album. I think yeah. like Joe Satriani and a yeah, Gary Joe Hoey Satri- and a, 
yeah. same year that a uh, ho ho hoey came out i think or right. within a, a year or two of that yeah maybe we'll get together and do a, a merry xmas yep that's right a, a hardcore can... metal christmas yeah that's right, right. but that that was a really cool album you know it had like uh, joe perry playing blue christmas and stuff on it and so i always thought of that because that is basically the same version of big band version of jingle bells with uh, brian whalen on his guitar as as well as he does and then but then he does it for his own christmas album and adds the vocals and it's like a whole different yeah whole different thing but just as cool and yeah it's it's, it's almost the standard of what what can you do with it and add add to it yeah so there are 51 tracks on this album yes. this motown album we picked six and yes. these are subjective so I would encourage listeners to go out, just check out this album on Spotify, uh-huh. Apple Music, Google Music, wherever you, wherever you find your stuff. I'm sure it's not even on YouTube. I don't know. Go find your favorites. Maybe you think we're yeah. just a bunch of clowns who picked the six worst ones. Right. Admittedly, we picked some of the ones that you probably wouldn't know. There are many, right. many songs that are absolute Christmas yeah. standards, yeah. like 100%. Uh, yeah, all the all the Jackson 5 songs, Christmas songs that you, you yeah, hear like quite often. There's like Stevie Wonder tracks on this right. album. Right, they're on there. There's plenty of Diana Ross and plenty of Diana Ross and the Screams. And, yeah. We could have done this for uh, hours, really. Well, yeah, we could have. We could have sit here and went through all 51 tracks and tore them apart and went on and on and on. But Hey, there's an idea. We, we would have had a four-hour podcast. Yeah, that's um, more of a streaming radio service at that point, isn't right, it? Right. So, but uh, this was a lot of fun going through Motown. Um, I'm yeah, I'd love looking, to come back. I'd love to come back sometime. We'll pick another genre and, and hit me up. Yes. You know, that, maybe that, when you're desperate for ideas in I don't know April or something, I'll, I'll still oh, be listening. So, oh, so don't oh, worry there. Oh, de- def- definitely, man. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back to do a, a Christmas conversations where we just kind of sit down and see where the conversation takes us about Christmas. I'm sure we'll get in the music. Oh, and things I, I like would that. enjoy the heck out of that. And, uh, and we'll definitely do that. We'll, we'll definitely get into some more, uh, music. Uh, maybe we'll do that. Merry Xmas one. Uh, I would really that enjoy was, that. That's, yeah. that's gotta be some kind of a strange bonus it, episode because I, I yes. imagine that it's, it's slightly outside yeah. the purview of a lot of your listeners, yeah. but it would be so much fun. If you're musically inclined, I yeah. bet you'd. I bet you'd enjoy it. Yeah, you know, because uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I kind of my heart leaped a little bit when you knew you, when you knew that album. I was like, oh, somebody else that knows what yeah, that exactly. album is. It's, it's you and me. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if you don't mind me plugging my show, uh, for a couple absolutely. Minutes. I was I was going to ask you go ahead and, and tell us um, about Jingle Jank and where we can find you on the socials and. Uh, so you can thank quarantine and, uh, you know, the, well, no, you can't thank quarantine. You have quarantine to thank for my show even originating. I had a ton of free time on my hands and I just wanted to do something fun and original. I love Tinsel Tunes, the podcast by Dwayne Bailey, but I didn't want to just do another, you know, rip off of what he's doing. So, so I found something unique and that was to go to YouTube and find obscure Christmas music. And my best friend from uh, high school, Jay, he and I have been friends for well, 30 years now. You know, we would trade a lot of these links back and forth and haha, have you heard this one? And a lot of it started as silly ones or, or some of them are kind of tasteless. But I realized that you know, we had an opinion on a lot of these songs and we were really digging things up that I had never heard of and I'd find stuff that he had never heard of. 
And he had done a podcast with his wife, you know, for family and friends for a long time. And I said, hey, you know, would you want to pull that microphone out of the drawer maybe? And, and we could do this together. And, and luckily he said yes. So each week, Jay and I, find we come up with a theme. Uh, for example, our last show was on disco Christmas music. The one before that was yacht rock Christmas music. So we'll come up with a theme and then we'll find at least five songs from YouTube, specifically from YouTube. And we, uh, we do that so that it's very easy to share the links. You don't have to worry that, oh, well, yeah, it's on Spotify, but if you don't have Spotify, you're out of luck. Everybody can get to a YouTube link in some way or another. And it's really the same music that you'd find anywhere else in a lot of cases. And the discoverability on YouTube is also great. I can search for anything and start, you know, wandering through people's playlists and really find some amazing stuff. So we officially say that we're looking for weird, wild, wacky, and whiny Christmas music. But what it really is is obscure and offbeat. As I mentioned earlier, if you've heard the song, that's not really what we're going for. We're trying to find that crazy stuff that you've never heard. Now, some of it is awful, like just horrid. Other stuff, uh, we did an episode on ska punk Christmas music. And now Jay and I both love ska punk because we were teenage, well, late teens in the 90s. And that was popular then. And none of that's, I wouldn't say any of those songs were bad. That was just discovery. That was, hey, did you know of this band? Did you know of this band? So in that instance, Hopefully people just heard, you know, found some new artists that they had never heard of and enjoyed it a lot. So we try to mix it up. I was warned early on, don't just dump on every artist because your podcast is going to turn, it's going to feel very negative and it's, it's, it's not going to be a lot of fun. So we do try to mix it up. We, we keep things uh, G-rated on there so it's family friendly. There's you know, no swearing. We don't put any songs on that have an objectionable content or anything like that. And honestly, Todd, we're just having a, a blast. Mm-hmm. We're so blessed that people are responding well to it and enjoying it. And we get so much great feedback. But if nobody listened, I would still do the show because it's for me and Jay. That's what we're doing it for. The fact mm-hmm. that other people bother to listen or even enjoy it is just gravy on top of the potatoes. We're so thrilled about that. And we're having a real good time. I hope to have you on. Now that I have a little bit more of your background, maybe we'll do, maybe you're the, the perfect co-host to do something like heavy metal Christmas or oh, yeah. something like that, which is a really weird topic. Not mm-hmm. every episode is going to be like, oh, I love that music, so I should listen to Jingle Jank. I would not be offended if you looked at the title and said, nope, not this week, and just hit <laughs> delete and moved on with your life. Um, yeah, but I think we're doing uh, our job if we find just crazy stuff and heavy metal is, is one that I've been thinking about for a while because I don't really know how to approach the subject, right? Mm-hmm. It's done. Uh, and there's so much heavy metal Christmas music out there, mm-hmm. shockingly. So the yeah. well is very deep on that. So that's just an example. There's a lot of other stuff. We're, we're, we're going to do an episode uh, this weekend on songs that feature Santa Claus in outer space. And my gosh, there are so many of them. I don't know why this became a common topic for people to write songs about, but it did. I think at last count, I had 28 songs on my list to pick from. And I was kind of worried, uh, you know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll you know, go through YouTube, find stuff that I like, throw it into a spreadsheet. And then I'll start to refine the spreadsheet. And I noticed the word space kept coming up and I thought, okay, 
well, there's probably something here. There's probably an episode, but oh, I only have like four songs and I really want to have at least five and maybe more if we can. And uh, then some other people in the community really opened the floodgates. And I, someone sent me a list of like 23 songs and they're all space related. So that, if that's just going to be a weird topic that we, uh, that we cover. And I, I, hope it's, I hope it's as much fun as I'm thinking it's going to be, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm ga- I'm game to come over, uh, come over on the Jingle Jank and uh, talk about metal or or whatever you guys want to want to talk about. I I'm one of those. You know, there's a lot of people that say they um, listen to all kinds of music, and I'm kind of yeah. one of those rare guys. As I'll say that, but I actually mean it. You know, so so I. Yeah, we're going to do a, we'll do a rap episode sometime. We'll do a hip hop episode. Those aren't my preferred genres of music, but they're still interesting. Oh yeah. There's, yeah, there's still a lot of art and stuff in there, but uh, uh, for my listeners, all the the links to Jingle Jank on uh, social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that will be in the show notes. Yeah. You can just uh, go to jinglejank.com. That's the easiest way. Um, Okay. And you can find links to all our socials. You can find our email address. Yeah. Send us a topic if you if you want to email me. Tell me I'm terrible at this. That's fine too. I just love yeah. to hear from people, and it's it's very fulfilling to well, to get that feedback. And you know what, Todd, you and I forgot one of the most important things that I do on my show because what we did today, you and I with this Motown, is very similar. Yeah. Like this right. could have been a Motown episode of Jingle Jank. Right. Um, we didn't say what our favorite song of the day was. We each get to pick. Oh. So. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. What okay. was your favorite song of the six that we played today? Well, I'm, I'm, I really want to pick Winter Winter Lamb by the Funk Brothers just because of what it means to me. But the song that made me smile the most, and, and you, you saw it there at the end, was Smokey Robinson's and the Miracles. Yeah, Jingle Bells, Bells, yeah. Because it was just quintessential Motown. It's the Motown that I grew up listening to and love so dearly. Now, I think I have a tie here. Mm-hmm. Because I liked, I think the Jingle Bell song made me smile the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's tied with Purple Snowflakes just because mm-hmm. of its uniqueness. And since you picked Jingle Bells, I'm going to pick Purple Snowflakes by okay. Marvin Gaye as my standout track of the week. So, yeah. so that was uh, fun. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there because yes. it's kind of the signature of what we do. It's not really that important, but I, th- <laughs> you know, there's a chance that I might at the end of the season, I don't know recap all of our favorite picks and then try to come up with the the, the season's best or something i don't right. know yeah that, that'd be cool maybe you can make them a playlist or something like that for yeah too, yeah so. that that would be a lot of fun yeah that, that so, would be cool I, I can't thank you enough for having me today thank you to all the listeners who have put up with us for over an hour or however long this is going to come out to be this was so much fun uh for my listeners out there um I've been a listener of Jingle Jank since their very first episode, which was celebrities that had Christmas songs or Christmas albums. Yep. And uh, it's been such an enjoyable podcast, a breath of fresh air, uh, tackling the the subject of Christmas music in a in a in a different way. <laughs> if you want and to hear I, Regis Philbin sing a Christmas song, come on over to our first yeah our first it's, uh, uh, episode. It, it's it's a really entertaining show. Scott and Jay do a, a fantastic job, and uh, you'll you'll go over there and you'll you'll discover something new uh, each and every time. And I want to encourage all my listeners to head over to JingleJank.com. And like I said, all that'll be in the show notes. And Scott, thank you, th- thank you, Todd. That's uh-huh. very nice of you to say. You've been 
you've been a cheerleader for me since we first started. I think you were one of the first two people to give me positive feedback, and that meant a lot to me and definitely made me want to keep going. And you introduced me to a lot of great people in our community as well on the Christmas Podcast Network. Well, it it was my honor uh, not to keep blowing smoke at you, but when when I heard that first episode – I just knew you guys were on the right track to something I could just tell in, oh, uh, in the way you guys put it together. And um, it's been an honor to have you guys apart and everybody head over to Jingle Jank uh, and give them a listen. And Scott, thanks so much for joining me here on Christmas Clatter. I'm sure this will not be the last time you'll be on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to all, all right. the listeners. I really appreciate you all letting me be on and I look forward to being back in the future. Thank you for listening to Christmas Clatter. Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Christmas Clatter Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Clatter Podcast. Send us an email at christmasclatterpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at christmasclatterpodcast.com. And as always, remember to keep Christmas hope alive every day. Thank you for listening to the Christmas Podcast Network. Christmas Clatter is proud to partner with one of our favorite companies, Shady Rays, over at ShadyRays.com. Shady Rays has been the only sunglasses I've used for years now. A lot of you guys know I carry mail for a living, so through the rain, snow, the wind, sleet, sun... You name it, I've carried through it, and even through vacations in the Rockies and on the beach, I've always had my Shady Rays with me. I'm very particular about my sunglasses and love my Shady Rays. They fit great, they're durable, and they're reasonably priced. On top of that, they have a great lifetime warranty that you really need to check out, and it is as good as they say it is. But more importantly, if you buy a pair of sunglasses, that also buys 20 mils for the hungry through feeding america which i just love it when companies are uh, have a conscience and have a, a charitable aspect to them and you as a christmas clatter listener go over to shadyrays.com use promo code xmas clatter and check out to receive 25 percent off and pick up a great pair of sunglasses for you or a gift for someone you love shadyrays.com Promo code XMASCLATTER for 25% off. Shady Rays, now the official sunglasses of Christmas.